are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Taking the best days of around the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Alright, um, last week or thereabout, I was talking about something very important and I titled it Churchianity versus Christianity. Amen. There are some people that are Churchians. And they are not Christians. Amen. <laughs> yes, they just go to church. And it is important as believers that we know that Jesus did not come to bring another religion to the world. Amen. He didn't come to bring another religion to the world. And most of the time when we talk along these lines, um, the people that always get offended are the religious folks. But... Even if we don't say anything, they will be offended. They are just naturally offended. Amen. <laughs> and they are the ones that killed Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we owe them nothing. Amen. <laughs> there are a lot of us here that have, if you lived, if you have always lived in the southern part of this country, um, would be acquainted with church. You know something about church. On Sundays you go to church. You have a Bible. You know. I used to take for granted that you could just come to a meeting and say, let's open to the book of Matthew. Let's open to the book of Ezekiel. And everybody knows that you're talking about the Bible. But I've been to places where people don't know the names of the books of the Bible. Hallelujah. I've been to places where the people don't know Bible stories. And if you're telling a story, you have to tell them it is in the Bible. Hallelujah. But I also found out that it was easier even preaching to those people that didn't know the books of the Bible, didn't know where they were, don't know the difference between Old Testament and New Testament, than preaching to those that even own Bibles, that have already been indoctrinated, that have already believed something. Last week, I think I mentioned something about ignorance. I said the reason why religion will continue to thrive is because of ignorance. And I told you different, the three different kinds of or causes of ignorance. I said the first thing is that some people are ignorant because knowledge is absent. Everybody say knowledge is absent. That means they don't have the knowledge at all. In the book of Acts chapter 19, Paul met a group of believers. When he met them, he asked the question, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, We have not even heard whether there is any Holy Ghost. So the knowledge was absent. Hallelujah. They have never heard whether there was a Holy Ghost. So there are a lot of people that are in religion simply because the knowledge of God's Word is absent. There is no knowledge. Then we have a second category of ignorant people. And they are ignorant because they have insufficient knowledge. There is some knowledge, but it's not enough. We have the story of a man called Apollos in Scripture. The Bible says he was fervent, an eloquent man. But he didn't know many things. And so Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and gave him more knowledge. So he was insufficient in knowledge. Amen. So you can be in church and... Knowledge is absent. You can be in church and the knowledge is insufficient. Hallelujah. The third reason or case of ignorance is 
wrong information. You have a knowledge, but the knowledge you have is wrong. Amen. You know that somebody can be sincerely wrong. I hope you know that. He is honest, but he is wrong in his honesty. And so you have a lot of folks that are sincerely wrong. And there are many things people read from Scripture, or heard about Scripture, not that they read, they heard about Scripture that is not in Scripture. Some of you have adopted that quote as your personal maxim. It's something you do all the time. You say it all the time. Heaven helps those who help themselves. Chapter what, verse what? You say, I don't know. It's somewhere in the Bible. There's nothing like that in the Bible. Amen. There's nothing like that in the Bible. The Bible's definition, the Bible's explanation about that statement is that heaven helps those who have no help. Amen. Heaven helps those who are helpless. That's, how, that's what the scripture implies. But, you know, you could hear things and just adopt them as what God said. Over the years, people say, money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. So Jesus had the root of all evil in his ministry. Amen. Are you understanding me? Because they carry the post with them everywhere. And because someone is misinterpreting scripture, he said the love of money. Amen. Love of money and money are not the same thing. Amen. Love of money is even committed more by someone that doesn't have it. Amen. Because every time he's thinking about money. Amen. That's love of money. So we have a lot of things that religion has taught us. And some of us were raised in religion. And so by the time the light of God's word begins to come, some of us have a struggle with it. No, no, this is what I've always known. This is what, I've, what if that which you've always known is not correct? What if that which you've always known is insufficient? Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Isaiah said the same thing in Isaiah 5. He said, look, my people have gone into captivity because there is no knowledge. That means the moment knowledge is absent, there will be destruction. There will be chaos. There will be problem. Something will be missing. Glory to God. So there's some of us here that, you know, you, you, you know it's not how long you've been in church. No, no, no. It's, it, it's how the word of God has impacted you. Amen. It's not how long you've been in church. You can be in church for donkey years and not know anything about Jesus. There have been people simply in church that have not met Jesus. Amen. And they are the ones that will quickly tell you, this is how a Christian life is supposed to be. This is how, this is how, this is how. What they are teaching you is religion. Amen. I also used an illustration. Uh, I told a story about how I was preaching on television. And uh, I talked about the fact that the Bible never said that there were three wise men. That the Bible said they were wise men. And a woman got offended. The religious people always get offended first. And she said, how would you say that? She said, don't try it. Don't change it. <laughs> I said, you've always known 
three wise men. Even in pictures, student story book is three men. But the Bible never said there were three. So he said, it's in the Bible. So I said, no problem. I sent her the scripture. I said, check it. Get back to me. Now I was calling her. Say, wait, wait, I've not seen it. She now read. Put up Matthew 2 verse 11. So this is the place in the Bible where it said about wise men. So let's find out for some of you here that are hearing it again. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. And even as I was saying it now, that woman's voice was coming out from you. Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't touch that. Don't do it. Amen. <laughs> Defenders of the truth. <laughs> and when they were come into the house, he's talking about the wise men. Okay. Go, go, give me verse 10. Verse 10. Um, I, I just want the place where they said wise men from the east. Look for it. 11 is where they presented the gifts. That talks about how many gifts they gave. Thank you. Good. Thank you very much. One, and then we'll read 11. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Matthew 2, verse 1. In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came five wise men. How many are there? How many now? So if you just got quiet. Okay, this is Renaissance Bible. Check your own. Amen. Check your own Bible. Amen. Check your own Bible. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. You can go home. Start from verse 1 and read to the end. Again and again and again. And look for it the way people look for their name on admission list when it's not there. Are you understanding me? You understand that? You will never see where the Bible said three wise men. It only told us wise men. And because we understand English, we know that there are more than one. Is that not so? But there could be two. There could be four. There could be five. Verse 11 is where the problem came from. Verse 11 says, And when they were come into the house, they, they saw the young child would marry his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, what did they do? They presented unto him what? Gifts. And then he mentioned three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so because the gifts were three, they assumed the people were also three. Assumption. Now, generations have grown with ministries and thoughts and ideas at that three wise men. So I was saying ministry. Three wise men ministry international. There are revelations on the three wise men. Some will say the three wise men, the gold that the first wise man brought is the father, is the father. The frankincense is, is the son. <laughs> the mayor is the spirit. They will bring out every man out. Are you understanding me? But the Bible never said they were three. He said wise men. I'm just trying to touch on your religious nerves. Amen. Wise men. Wise men. So the lady has been finding, looking for the scripture. Till today she has not called back. She could not believe it. Now I, I, I use this scripture. This one, even if you believe there were three. Or you believe there were two. It does not affect your salvation. Amen. But it's just something to show you that there are more serious things in Scripture that people have misinterpreted. 
Should I look for your trouble again? Amen. I have some very serious ones. If I tell you, you might first hold your Bible first. I will ask whether you should go or you should stay. You say, this is a hard saying. <laughs> Who can bear it? <laughs> you must know the difference between religion and life in Christ. There are two different things. Listen, we are not an extension of the practice of Judaism. We are not practitioners of the mosaic religion. We are people of God that have received life in Christ. There's a big difference between religion and Christianity. I'll come to that. But I just want to establish misconceptions of Scripture. A lot of things people interpret. And the Bible didn't say so. The Bible was not implying that. There's nowhere the Bible said that the Holy Spirit was a dove. Nowhere. Nowhere. The Bible said, He came like a dove. Two different things. I can walk in here like a cat. It doesn't mean I'm a cat. Amen. In English, they call it figure of speech. Amen. Amen. Is that not so? So the Bible says that the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus. You know, these artists are the problem. Because they drew dove landing on his head. If poo-poo of dove it was all came upon Jesus, all of us should go and line up. Let dove poo on us. And then we start healing the sick. That's not what the Bible was talking about. Hey, I've taught this in several places, but just throw it to you and then we get into it. Listen to me. Now, sorry if the ministry that God has given you is dove ministry. Sorry. I'm not trying to spoil your ministry, but just listen to what I want to say. It will help your ministry. Amen. Now, all through the Bible, from Genesis down, okay, especially under the law, how many of you remember when Moses carried the children of Israel to Mount Sinai? How many of you remember? Anytime God appeared, He either appeared as fire, earthquake, thunder, lightning. That's what they knew about how God appears. How many of you know that? Okay. Even Elijah. Remember Elijah's encounter? When he went into the cave, he was waiting for God. Then he saw a fire. He thought that because God comes that way. But they said God was not in the fire. There was an earthquake or a wind. He thought God was in it. He said God was not in it. That's how God normally appears to them. Then he heard a still small voice. It was strange to him. Amen. So, the Bible had prophesied that and told John the Baptist that how you will know that this one is the Christ is that God will not come upon him the way he used to come on Mount Sinai. He will come on him gently, without noise, like a dove. And the one whom you will see that the Holy Ghost will descend on like a dove, he is the Christ. That's where like a dove came. Amen. So, 
the Holy Ghost descended. It was not what was coming on him that was the described. It was how he was going to come on him that the scripture was describing. Like a dove. Is it clear? Like a dove. You can have like a dove ministry. It's better than that dove ministry. Like a dove. Amen. 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 Like a dove. Amen. Like a dove global. <laughs> Amen. Like a dove. So it descended like a dove. You could go study it. Matthew's account, Mark, all the accounts, study it. It's not that a bed landed on Jesus Christ. No. The way the Holy Ghost came on him, it was gentle. Amen. Praise God. I push you again. I have like five more. Amen. You know, let me explain something to you. It's good that you always go back and study the scriptures for yourself. And it's good for you to have questions. And then the Holy Ghost answers the questions. Amen. And then you are settled. If you have a question and God's word answers it, that question is settled forever. You can move on to something else. Someone asked me boldly. He said, are you saying Jesus is God? I said, what do you think we've been saying since? He said, no, no, I thought... <laughs> you think he's a senior angel? I said, no, he's God. Have you not read the scripture? John 1, that's what John 1 was trying to communicate. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Clear. If you skip that one, you didn't understand any other thing he was saying. Then when he got to 14, he said, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. What the scripture is saying is that Jesus is deity, is God. Now, let me come back to religion. Religion is a, is, is a system of beliefs, a moral code of conduct. You know, a set way that man tries to reach out to God. That's religion. The difference between every other religion and Christianity is that all of them are pointing man on how he can reach God. Christianity is not pointing man on how he can reach God. No. Christianity explains how God reached man. Amen. Hello? That's the difference. Christianity explains how God went out of his way to reach man. Religion is man trying to reach God. Christianity is God reaching man. Big difference. Religion is what you do so that God will be impressed with you. And in the afterlife, He will reward you for what you did. But Christianity is what God has done. Hallelujah. That you should accept. And you are rewarded for accepting what he has done. Amen. Two different things. It's good to you know the difference. So there are people that are reading their Bible with a religious mindset. Second Timothy 2.15 It says study to show yourself approved unto God 
A workman that need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you will bring your religious sentiments into Christianity. Hello? You know, sometimes people even don't understand that. Have you even seen believers that... Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible is a great book. But the book is not the thing. It is the content of the book. Are you understanding me? You know there are some people that keep Bible under their pillow to sleep. You understand that? It's just two pillows you have. So that there will not be any harm. Put the Bible, or they put Bible on their, on their door or something. You watch a lot of movies, that's the problem. Know that Paul and James and John did not have any Bible because then the Bible has not been written. Hello? They didn't have a Bible. But they had this life in Christ. Amen. Are you with me? So what were they putting under their pillow? Are you with me? If you don't understand these things, you will always be in bondage. In bondage of that ignorance. There are people that are, they are born again, but they are even more afraid than people that are not born again. An unbeliever is not even afraid. They are more afraid than the people that are saved. It's, imagine a believer just walking and say, let's go to church early, let's so that rapture will not leave us before we get to church. You understand? You are even waking an unbeliever, let's go, let's go. He doesn't care. Who is supposed to be afraid? It's the unbeliever that is supposed to be afraid. But you are even more scared than the believer. Even as you are sitting in church now, you are afraid. I hope I'm sitting straight enough for the Lord to be pleased. That's why some people can't even laugh in church. You understand that? They can't laugh. So, uh, you you, you, you how will I laugh? In a solemn assembly. Simple. It is that religious mindset that they've come into the body of Christ with. Hallelujah. Let me exp- I want to enter a scripture. It's a very deep scripture, but I don't want to spend so much time on it. It's in Hebrews chapter 6. From verse 1. I just want to pick out something. Um... It's more of like a Bible school stuff, but I just want to show you something there. It says, therefore, living from verse 1, living the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again what? The foundation of what? Repentance from what? And of what? Now, it will shock you to know that a lot of people misunderstand this Hebrews 6 1. 
Once people see repentance, I know what comes on their mind. Amen. So, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. We need the foundation of repentance. That's not what he was talking about. Understand the language and the construction. He was listing the foundations. One of it is repentance from dead works. Everybody say repentance from dead works. Say again, repentance from dead works. You know what those dead works are? You will be surprised. He's talking about repenting, turning away from religious the formal religious things you do. All those religious rites. That's what he's calling dead works. Hello? You wake up, you face east to pray, you nod your head three times, you do the sign of the cross, and you do, you do the sign of the cross, you do the sign of the grave, you do the sign of the throne. You understand that? He said, that foundation has to be laid in your life. You have to turn away. Because your trust is in those dead works. You have so much confidence in those dead works. He says, see, I see. If I don't kneel down when I'm praying, my prayer doesn't really go. <laughs> Which scripture said so? Amen. He said, the prayer does not. You see, you, you know, some people, some people explain spiritual things to you. You know, you just keep quiet. <laughs> you just be quiet. Because they must have read the encyclopedia. It's not Bible. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> One day a fellow was talking to me about worship. This was years ago. He said, you know, you know the dimensions of worship. I said, no. He said, you don't know. He said, when you start, you start with the outer court. In the outer court, you persist. You persist, you persist, you persist. Then you get to the inner court. Which is the holy place, you understand? The holy place takes long. It takes a while. It takes a while. Sometimes, there are many of God's people that stop in the holy place. Once in a while, I've entered the holy of holies. And when you enter, you will know. Then he said, that's what the scripture said when he said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. That's the holy place. I said, Eh, it is really contrary to Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16 said that there is no altar court for us, there is no holy place for us. He said, Where we belong is the holy of holies. Let us therefore come where? Boldly. Where is the throne of grace? Is it in the outer courts? Is it in the holy place? Where is it? So I said, I don't understand that dimension of worship. The only one dimension I know is, is that one. In spirit and in truth. <laughs> when you mix Old Testament and New Testament, you understand that? You become, you know, Testament confused. You understand? Know the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Know the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Bible says that the New Covenant is a better covenant. 
established upon what? Better promises. And Jesus came to bring us into the new covenant. So, we should repent from dead formalism, from religion, from religious rites. Turn away. Repent means turning away. Have a change of attitude towards it. Listen, being born again. Some people don't understand what being born again. Repenting, the word repent and born again are not the same thing. I hope you know that. Okay, in case you didn't know. Say repent. Born again. They don't mean the same thing. Born again (laughs) is superior to repenting. An unbeliever can repent from smoking cigarettes. An unbeliever can repent from having multitude of girlfriends. It doesn't mean he's born again. Hello? A repentance is changing your mind and changing your attitude. So, okay, I could go to the hospital and come back and then they tell me, oh, you are having um, um, some health challenges. Stop taking too much sugar. Are you understanding me? And I change my mind about sugar. That's repentance. Are you understanding me? Okay, I'm not going to take sugar again. That's repentance. That's not salvation. Amen. Are you with me? Alright. Now, the day you got born again, you get born again once. Repentance goes on continually. Amen. Anytime the word of God comes to you, you change your mind about what you used to believe. Amen. That's a repentance. I hope you know that. So as I'm talking to you now, like now, you repented from three wise men. Amen. You have repented. Amen. From your doctrine of three wise men, you repented today. But now, it doesn't mean some of you here are born again. Hello? So we should know the difference between these things. Because most of the time, what the, some believers are preaching to others is telling them, you know, you meet an unbeliever, you say, stop doing this. This thing is bad. It's against the Bible. You know? They ask me, you know, sometimes they bring up social issues um, to us. And then someone asks me a question um, um, concerning, um, um, what do you call it now? Premarital sex. What, what is your stand? Um, I think there are three of them. Abstinence. What's the other one? Um, have a single partner. What, there's ABC. I've forgotten now. Abstinence. Be faithful. And then use a condom. Okay. This is not a children's church, so I can't talk. Yeah. So, they now ask me, what is your stand about that? I say it depends on who I am talking to. He said, no, you are a Christian. You should have a general stand. I said, I don't have a general stand. Why would I tell an unbeliever, abstain? He's a sinner, he should sin. <laughs> Amen. Different things apply. Are you understanding me? He doesn't even have the ability to abstain. Glory to God. No, 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 no. He doesn't have the ability spiritually so that message I'm preaching to him doesn't make anything it depends on who I'm talking to hallelujah are you getting me so we shouldn't get these things twisted understand that 
you have, you have an unbeliever that is your friend. You are trying to stop him from doing bad things. No, that's not what you should be doing. The most important thing you should try to achieve is to get him saved. If you get him saved, he by himself will stop doing the things he's doing that is wrong. You're advising him, you know, don't smoke. The Bible says don't smoke. Who are you telling the Bible says? When he's not even saved. Hallelujah. Some lady had an issue with her husband and um, the, the man is not saved. You know, it's not, you know, there are some people that are not saved and they are planning to be saved later. He's not planning to be saved. So she said, Pastor, advise him on, you know, we shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, some things he was doing, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. So when I met him, she said, Pastor, did you advise him? I said, I didn't advise him anything. I preach the gospel to him. Amen. He doesn't need advice. He needs salvation. He needs salvation. And when he's saved, the Holy Ghost will advise him. Amen. Are you understanding me? When these things are clear to you, it affects how you even serve God. It affects how you see life. It changes even how you come to church. I think it was last week I, I touched on people that come to church and merely they enter church. I, I've, I had that issue. You know, so I called a brother one day. He came to church. I just saw him bent his head like this. And raised his head. So I called him. I said, you come. I said, why do, when you come to church, why do you used to bend your head and shake it and raise it? He said, as I'll go do everybody in the door, I'll go do it. <laughs> so he doesn't even know why others are doing it. He just, he will just come into the church, he will sit down first, do like this. Then raise his head up. What he didn't know was that they are praying. Are you understanding me? They are praying. You understand that? Father, I thank you for being in service today. I pray that I receive God's word in the name of Jesus. I might even be helping somebody now because they, hey, that's what they used to say. <laughs> Amen. You understand that? You know, but religion, he just comes in and he follows. You see that? Do his head like this, do like that. You understand that? So I said, well, why do you used to do that thing? He said, Pastor. And he was honest. I understand. He doesn't know what they're doing. So I said, well, before you came to church in the house, didn't you pray? I, I said, if you pray, if you prayed at home, you don't have to come to church and pray again. You know, there are some of you that are very religious. You, are, you know, some of, there are some believers that are senior Pharisees. You understand that? <laughs> senior Pharisees. You understand that? As they are in church now, they are observing. If someone just came into the church... I didn't pray. They say, the salvation is not yet ripe. It's not yet ripe. You know, if it was ripe, you would have prayed. That's your judgment. Amen. You know. Years ago, we were still at the first venue we used to use for church. Then we used to be at Rumokuta. There's a brother that bothered my life. After seven, you just come, Pastor. I want to see you. Say, do you not see the skirt that that sister wore? I say, which sister? You mentioned the sister's name. I say, no, I did not see it. He said, Pastor, you did not see it. This one is different from the one she wore last month. 
I said, which one did she wear last month? He said, there's one. He will describe it. <laughs> the sister even came to greet me. I did not even notice. So I told you, I said, come. What, that Sunday that you remember, that sister, what did I preach in church? What did I preach that Sunday? What, what was this? He said, um, I forgot it, but that day, she sat that way. He knows where she sat, but he does not know what I preached. So there are some of you, you know there are some people that come to church like that, just like, they are just looking around. Why her hair go there like that? Is it your hair? No, is it your hair? Did they borrow your head and put the thing on top? Remember the story of the MTN, the Etisalat girl that um, um, was calling a customer. Was it one of them networks was calling the customer, and then the man's wife now picked instead of the customer. She was just full of, "Is your phone okay?" No, no. So it was a lady's voice. I think Joma or something was her name. So she called the, and the man's wife picked it and said, why are you calling my husband? She said, no, I am the customer care line. I just want to be sure the phone is, she said, hey, Joma, hey, Joma, face your walk. <laughs> what did I tell you? Face your walk. But in the customer care, you know, some women are very dangerous. So, brother or sister here that is inspecting other people, face your work. Amen. Face Jesus. Amen. He's not, he didn't come for. He, that's not what you came for. Amen. So, check skirts, check hair. That's not what you came for. Amen. So, then as they're checking, they're sick. They're still checking. Receive your healing. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's nobody that has been called into the ministry of correction. Are you understanding me? Just face your own Jesus. Amen. Serve Him. God will take care of them. Amen. Are you understanding me? So don't be a Pharisee. Repent! You are healed. <laughs> Because, you know, once you are religious, that, you never see anything good. You're just looking out for what is wrong, what is wrong, what is wrong. That is spirit, is the same spirit of the law, of the law. Always looking for what's wrong. You know that spirit? It's Nigerian police spirit. You understand that? Nigerian police spirit. Amen. Maybe um, Dikin has forgotten. Um, Dikin Chima, maybe has forgotten. Years ago, he used to drive me around anywhere I'm going to. You know, this was maybe 13 or 14 years, 13 or 12, 12, 13 years ago. And then one day, that time they just built that Rumola flyover or something like that and did that roundabout under, you know, that was just that period. So um, we're coming, we're going towards Burikam. And we don't know whether we should turn in the first one or in the second one. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. So, police guys were sitting down in, in that place there. So, we drove and stopped. 
We're not like, is this the right place to pass or we should follow the other one? Which one? They were just looking at us. So they were so calm. So slowly, we now turn into the road and as we enter, say, oh, no, 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 I was so angry. I said, what's wrong with you people? I said, you saw us. We were even asking the, about the place. You just kept quiet. Wait, it made the enter, made the enter, made the enter. A false finding spirit. So if you are born again, amen, you are not Nigerian police in Christ. That's looking for faults, looking for faults. Scanning, looking for somebody that didn't do it right. Face your walk. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to show you a scripture. Second Timothy three, verse five. Let me show you something. The Bible was talking about a group of people. It said, "Let's read together, please." Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So there are some people that have a form, a form, a form of godliness. But denying the power. There's a story about, I I won't mention the churches, but a particular lady from a church, she dresses, covers everything, you know, and ties her hair. So in the in the community, they had someone that lost the mind. The person was violent, insane. And then there's another sister that wears jeans, doesn't cover her hair. So when the person was having that thing, everybody ran. Even the sister that her hair was covered also ran. So it was the girl, the other girl, that came and said, what's the problem? She came and rebuked the spirit and casted out the spirit and the person was well. That's when everybody believed that she was saved. Say, eh, this one surprised me. Hello? Why? Because that's not what salvation is. If you have a form of godliness, but the power is missing, then you don't, that's not the real thing. Amen. No. No. Glory to God. I, when I was in university. We had different fellowship groups in school. And then maybe I was younger then because I used to put on my jeans, boots, and t-shirts. I didn't have as much trousers as I had jeans, you know. So the other fellowship brothers, you know those that trousers like they just with their belts. You just you know that's when you when they call you know this is a bro. You understand that? He's a brother. Japan like that. There's a guy we met uh, we were somewhere. You know, um, it, I, my wife and I went to um, went with someone to University of Port Harcourt, you know, to do something. So we're standing outside. My wife went in. So I was with a sister, and then a young man was passing. Dressed, his shirt was tucked in. His trousers were straight. 
right in Christ kind of trousers. You understand that? He was just walking. Even his step, you know, everything was just straight. So, as he was coming, and I told the sister, I said, this guy is a brother. She said, Pastor, why would you say so? I said, look at him now. She said, I don't think so. He said, he might not be. I said, no, he is a brother. So, he was passing. We were still talking. He came and met us. Uh, was passing, going his way. He's a student in school. So, I said, excuse me. He stopped. I said, are you a brother? He didn't understand what I said. Are you a Christian? He said, no. I said, then you are like this. You are not a Christian. Come here. You must give your life to Christ. So, I led him to Christ there on the spot. <laughs> I led him to Christ you know, on the spot. And he left. Now, the point is that there is a way you see them. You know, dress like that. So, those days, you know, I didn't dress that way. And some people don't believe that. You are saved. Are you understanding me? They had a meeting one time and they called everybody and then I sat down. They were just uncomfortable. You know, we actually called for believers in Christ. <laughs> they kept repeating it. We actually called for them that are sanctified in the Lord. Because this is going to be a very serious meeting. They thought that we go. <laughs> Some of them are my friends now. They are now telling me what they were thinking then. You understand that? But they were surprised that when people are sick, it's me they come and meet. When people need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, it's me they come to meet. So, what does he do to you people? Is he saved? <laughs> it's not in how you look. Amen. Are you with me? So, don't have a form of godliness and deny the power. You tied your hair. Now, most of the time, we always focus on the ladies. There are men like that too. You understand that? Men like that. My mom was telling me a story. She went to a church. You know? And um, the pastor was preaching about brothers that opened their first button of their chest. He said. She said. So, my mom was the one. My mother. My biological mother. He said. He said, there's nothing else she heard that day than that. So, that after she left the place, she became conscious of people that opening their shirts. <laughs> yes, that, that, our mind was not on those kind of things before. <laughs> when you go to church, you should be conscious of Jesus. Conscious of what He has done for you. Conscious of his death, his burial, his resurrection. Conscious of his love for you. Amen. And nothing else. People say, preach hard. I say, I preach hard. Hardcore righteousness. Hardcore New Testament, hardcore grace. I preach hard. But I know what they're talking about. Because I've been there before. Not in that sense, but I know what they're talking about. You know, I've always known, and the message I've always preached all my life was the message of the New Testament. But I used to believe that if I'm talking to an unbeliever, I should make him have a taste of hell. I never preach that to believers. But I believe that if I'm talking to an unbeliever, I should make him have a taste of hell. When Sani Abacha died, oh, his death was a message. 1998. 
I led many to Christ through Sania Bacha's death. Hello? I preached in a vehicle. They stopped. People came down to take fresh air. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Hardcore. <laughs> I've told you this other one. In school, you know those um, hostels where boys would bring girls into their rooms, you know. So my roommate will not hear a word. He brought his girlfriend in there. I said, let her not stay. He said she will sleep there. I said she will not sleep. He said she will sleep. I opened my Bible. Sat on top of the locker. Open to Revelations. And I saw this, the dead, the small and great, stand before the great I am. And books were opened. And another book was opened. Which was the book of life. I say, you are in that room. <laughs> they get carried a shoe, carried a bag. <laughs> the boy was begging, I come. He said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> and she left. <laughs> the guy was mad. The guy has gone, but the anointing was so strong on me, I kept preaching. The wind, people gathered, came and stood in the and started giving their life to Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, I know that. Amen. <laughs> but I began to understand that if people hear about heaven, they want to go preach Jesus. Amen. Preach Christ. Amen. And what he has done. There are some people that. You tell them about hell, they are not afraid again. I'm telling you. You are not supposed to scare somebody into heaven. No. If people see what Jesus has done for them, they will receive Him. Amen. The Bible didn't say, the fear of hell is the power of God unto salvation. It says the gospel, the good news, is the power of God unto salvation. It's not the fear of hell. The good news. Hallelujah. So if you are here and religion is what you have endorsed, today I pray that the Lord will open your eyes. If you give me ten minutes, I'll just touch on something that will help you. Let's look at Luke 24. In Luke chapter 24, something happened. Um, there are two important things I want to show you. Glory to Jesus. First of all, let me read verse 40. Four and forty five, then I'll read thirty one and thirty two. Watch this now. Now you can be in church for many years and your eyes have not opened to truth. Look at what happened here. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was with you, 
That means while he was with them, he was telling them certain things. That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Verse 45. Then, what did he do? Open he their understanding. That what? Say, say it again. Read it again. Glory to God. That means that even if they knew the scriptures, they didn't understand it. Amen. So you have to open the understanding. Today, what the Spirit of God is doing is opening your understanding. He opened the understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Hi, somebody they said something recently that shook me. He sent me a message. You know, he doesn't live in Nigeria. He sent me a message. And we've been trying to communicate, you know. And then he said to me that, um, we're talking about miracles. He said, well, he doesn't really, he's a, he's a believer. He's a lovely believer. I love him. But he said something to me. He said that he's afraid of the supernatural stuff. All the supernatural things. That it can derail someone from the, the um, from the, what the word he used? From, it, from eternity. So I said, I don't understand. He said, yes. That there are a lot of fake signs and wonders. So I asked him a question. I said, you live in the United States. Have you ever seen a fake $500 bill? He said, no. I said, why? Because there is no real $500 bill. But the moment there is a real $500 bill, then there will be a fake. So if there are fake signs and wonders, then there are real ones. I said, then there are real ones. And the real ones will have to do what they are doing. So that, you know, they will subdue the fake ones. He said, but the reason why he doesn't believe in science is so, so that he will not mix it with the fake and real, so he left it. And I asked him. He dresses well. So I said, all your Versace and all your designer clothes you put on. Are there no fake designer clothes? Are there no fake designer watches? Did this stop you from wearing the original? Hello? I said they are fake of everything. But you still use the original. So I said, why will I now leave the original miracles? Because they are fakes. Amen. My prayer for him and for any other person at that level is that the Lord will open the understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Religion says that times of miracles are past. And I, you know, we were talking, at a point I was even provoked. And I said, how can somebody say that? Miracles are past. I said, this, our faith, was the gospel we preached is based on a miracle. If you remove the miracle foundation of the gospel, there is no gospel. The miracle that Jesus was born of a virgin is supernatural. Are you understanding me? How can you say that this gospel does not have miracles? So I told him, attend my meeting. You will see miracles. I know you trust me. Attend my meetings. I said, even before we knew certain things in scripture, we saw God do things that we couldn't explain. The gospel cannot be effectively preached without the supernatural. It was never meant to be preached without the supernatural. Listen, Christianity claims that a man that died is now alive. 
Hello? That he rose again and that he is living. That's the claim of Christianity. Is that also? If he is alive, then the things he did when he walked the face of the earth, he should still be doing it. If not, he is fake. Are you understanding me? So how can you say there are no miracles in Christianity? You cannot separate Christianity and miracles. You can't. The Christianity itself is a miracle. That a man was a sinner in the night. You prayed with him. He comes out. He's a saint. That's a miracle. Hello? It's a miracle. Hallelujah. You can't believe in Jesus and not believe in miracles. That's having a form of godliness and denying the power. So here Jesus opened their understanding so that they will understand the scriptures. Now understand that these guys have been taught in the law. Um, even before you become 13, as a Jewish child, you can off, off the heart just quote um, the five books. You understand that? Uh, what they call the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You understand that? So anybody that is Jewish, is, he has read the law. Now Jesus came and still saw that they did not understand what they were reading. Amen. Because they are reading it religiously. So what did he do? He opened the understanding. In the book of John, he tells us how he did it. John 20, 22. In John 20, the same scripture, John 20, 22, the same experience. Look at how Jesus did it. He said, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive the Holy Ghost. That's how he opened their understanding, by a miracle. So today, I will do it to you. Amen. When you open your Bible, you'll be shouting, Ah! <laughs> Kenneth E. Higgins said, he had been a pastor for several years. He began to pray those scriptures in Ephesians 1. Lord, that the eyes of my understanding may be enlightened. That I may know the hope of your calling. He began to pray those scriptures. He said, he cannot remember how many times he prayed those scriptures. Or he would go and kneel down in the church there and pray and pray and pray. Then one day, he noticed that when he opens his Bible, he's seeing things. And then he told his wife, I don't even know what I've been preaching before. Amen. It's now I'm seeing the scripture. I pray that after this meeting today, Amen. You will begin to say, It's now understanding the scripture. It's now I know what Jesus actually did for me. It's now I know what that love means. Job said, I've been hearing with the hearing of the ear. Now my eye seeth thee. Amen. His eyes opened. His eyes opened. Glory to God. Luke 24, give me 31. Now, I, I want to just show you something here. This is my last scripture. My last before I start preaching. Amen. Amen. Luke 24, 31. Now, um, let me give you background. There are two guys, disciples, that were on their way to Emmaus. And then Jesus met them on the way. That was the day Jesus died. Alright? And he met them on the way. And on their way, they were discussing about what had happened today. How Jesus died on the cross. Uh, 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 that was after Jesus died, not the day he died. You know, how Jesus died and he, 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 he's supposed to be the Messiah. They were just dis discussing about that. The Bible says, and their eyes were opened. That means while they were talking with him, they didn't know he was Jesus. Just go back. So let me show you what he did so their eyes opened. So we have two ways your eyes will open today. Go back. 
And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break and gave to them. Verse 31. And their eyes opened. So when you eat the communion today, your eye will open in the name of Jesus. Your eye will open. So their eyes opened. And what happened? He vanished out of their sight. Now, so Jesus was walking with them all the while. They didn't know it was Jesus. Hallelujah. They didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. Talking with them. They didn't know it was Jesus. But the reason I came here is because of verse 32. Let's read together. I want to go. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened the scriptures, watch. While Jesus was talking, their heart was burning. You know, there are some of you that come to church, your heart burns when they are teaching. It doesn't mean your eyes opened. Heart burning doesn't mean your eyes opened. Your heart could be burning. Your heart could be burning. You know, you're, you're, man, man, this is word. As I'm talking, as I say, word, word. That's one level. Amen. So these people, Jesus was talking, as he was opening scriptures, their heart was burning. But their eyes opened after that. My prayer for you today is that the Lord will open your eyes. It will open. When, when it opens, you will, you will know. You will know. When you see some people read scripture and shout, you wonder why. Somebody read John chapter 3 verse 16 that you think you know. And he shouts, hey, hey, hey. He said, ah, this is madness. So, no, no, his eyes have opened. Kai. When your eyes open, the elements submit themselves to you. Everything around you will change. If you were sick, when your eyes open, Sickness will let go. Hallelujah. You were oppressed. When your eyes open, suddenly, every oppression leaves. The greatest thing that can happen to you is your eye opening. You see. That's what this psalmist was trying to describe when he said, The entrance of the word giveth light. That means the thing has penetrated. Amen. That's entered. That's entered. That's entered. There are times where you are teaching somebody the word of God. Teaching them the word of God. Teaching them the word of God. You know? There was somebody I was taking through some teachings. The person was sick. I think the person was some teachings. He said, Just pray for me. I said, No. Let me just be showing you the scriptures. I'll just show you the scriptures. Show you the scriptures. When light came, when light came, it's not me that say, let that light. I didn't. I said, ah, mm, I am well. <laughs> you know, should I pray for you? There's no need. It has gone. Amen. Light has come. Light has come. A, a, a fellow, we did, um, what do you call it? Um, youth service, not youth service, IT together. And he has been, he's a church boy. He was raised in church. So, one day we were together and I sat down and I opened John 1 verse 4. And I said, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. He was shouting. He was crying. 
He's a leader of a, uh, in his denomination. I said, what happened? I just showed you the scripture. He said, he's now understanding what it means to be born again. He said, if it was I knew like this since, I will not be here. He said, yes, yes, yes. He was not, you know, he was not talking anything coherent. He said, hmm, uh, that is, uh. that's how he was just behaving. I said, see this John 1-4, it's causing problem. What happened? His eyes opened. Some of you, it will be about money. Your eye will open. Your eye will open. Your eye will open. You will know that your needs have been supplied. When your eyes open, you will know that Nigeria is not a limitation to you. You will know that the economy has nothing. Is there, it cannot hinder you in any way. It's people that their eyes have opened. That there is a kind of confidence that they have. That sometimes sounds like arrogance. Are you understanding me? Some people can understand why they are talking like that. Why, why, why is he talking like that? It's because of what they are seeing. Remember the prophets? They came to arrest him. Surrounded the place. Arrested, took arrest him. His servants opened the curtain and saw so, chariots of, you know, just like you just see SARS, you see DSS, you see army everywhere. You come back to the prophet and say, Ah, they have come home. Man of God was telling you to be preaching small, small on television. They have come now, they have come. You understand? He expects that the man of God will not be afraid. The man was calm. The man was calm. When your eyes open, you'll be calm. You'll be calm. You'll be calm. You'll be calm. The reason why you are, you are, you are agitated is because your eyes have not opened. The man of God was calm. Then, you know what the prophet said? He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And that's the prayer I'm praying for you this morning. Open his eyes that he may see. When the servant opened, the Bible said he saw chariots of fire surrounding the chariots of, of, of the king. I could imagine him opening the window and then he say, no wonder my guy is to behave like a madman. These are the things he used to see. Amen. If I was seeing this thing, I would be sleeping. You understand that? <laughs> a man came out in church, he had a demonic case and I said, go back, you are well he said, how do I know <laughs> I said, go, you are well go, you are okay, it's done he was looking at me, he said, how do you know I said, go days after, weeks after, everything was fine so he came back, how do you know when he came something, a darkness left him. And I saw it. Hallelujah. I knew it was done. It was done. I said, you are well. <laughs> May the Lord open your eyes today. In the name of Jesus. Bow your heads everywhere. If you are here, you have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Take it up,